Chicky, chicky. Chicky, chicky, bow, bow. Brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> I texted that to Lorena the other day because she sent me a photograph of two snakes making love in her yard. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. Schnicky, schnicky. <laughs> it's been so long since it's, I've seen you here. I know. It's been like... What's your name again? Hi, my name is Sharon. Hello, Sharon. That didn't work out the way I expected it to. It's very wrong. <laughs> hello, Chris. Oh, hello, Sharon. That's weird. I don't like it. We'll do it the right way then. Okay. Hello, Chris. Hello, Sharon. Boy. Right? It's been a year. Yeah, just since the last time we recorded. Yeah, it feels like it's been about a year. Yeah. A year's worth of things have happened since the last time we recorded and produced an episode of our podcast. So let's catch everybody up. The coronavirus is like stomping on the planet right now. Right. And all the other podcasters are putting out like a production a day, an right. episode a day. And Chris and I are just like, what? No. We're going to take a month off. <laughs> um, my father died. Yeah. I'm sorry about that, sweetie. I, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm sorry. That was really the 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 thing that got in the way of our missed release yeah a fortnight ago yeah it was which is fine nobody's worried about it i don't think anyone's really worried about it we're not gonna like not get paid it's true because of it we're we're not gonna get paid because we don't get paid right and then so like we've been kind of other than having to go to florida like we've been kind of just at home doing at home things right but i must say it was kind of nice to not be thinking about Oh, I have to edit a podcast. Sure. Yeah. And that's the last thing you should be thinking about when something like that happens. Yeah. I mean, of course, I just mean in general. Yeah. Like in the past couple of few weeks. Right. Like I haven't had to deal with any of that. And that's fine. That's good. That's been fine. So other than that, like just about getting back on the horse and recording some podcasts. Right. So then we get to today's episode of The Crown. God, it's so depressing. Right? <laughs> Season two, episode nine. <laughs> Paterfamilias. Vernon here's got a job. Vernon's got prospects. He's bona fide. What are you? I'll tell you what I am. I'm the Paterfamilias. And what is the Crown cast oh. no, episode titled? <laughs> so what we're going to name this episode of The Crown cast, mm-hmm. season two, episode nine. And I turned out just fine. (laughs) That is so funny because I've been thinking about that for some reason the past couple of weeks. And I don't know why. I know it was a couple of fairly specific occasions. Right. And it wasn't someone actually said I turned out fine because I would have responded with no, you didn't. Yeah. But for some reason, something has come up. Two things at least have come up in the past couple of weeks that have made me think about that. So that's poignant. Well, that's really the high point of the episode is, yeah. is the clever title that has come up When was the last with. time we had a really fun episode of The Crown? You were talking about the episodes we did right before in the before time. 
Right. And we did. The wedding episode was fun. Right. We did. Margaret's John F. Kennedy dies. Fun. But then Margaret, that whole episode that was, was about. A, that was a fun. Margaret wedding. in love. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I swoon. Yeah. Like those are the, I, I crave for those episodes. Right. Because they make me feel so happy and smushy inside. Right. This one's going to make you feel smushy inside, but not from happiness. Right. right. In a, in a boot stomping kind of a way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hooray! <laughs> I hope you're having a wonderful quarantine. <laughs> We're going to talk about horrible people. <sighs> I'm so glad I'm in this life with you, Chris. Uh, right? It would be weird if you were somewhere else. I missed our little microphones. I know. It's nice to finally talk. It is. I mean, because this is the only time we speak to each other. It's just dead air around here, 24-7. Why don't you get us started on this episode? I don't even want to talk about it. (laughs) We start off with Prince Charles the Week. (laughs) Right. He is a delicate flower. He is a delicate flower. There's some there's some sports hitting in the mud happening. Yeah. He's he's the clean kid on the field. Right. On the rugby pitch. The clean, is it a pitch? Sure. Okay. I think it's a pitch. He is the, the clean kid trying to stay clean. Right. But the other kids just force him to play. They don't force him to play. They kick him to the ground and smush mud in his face. Well, they throw a ball at him first. I don't know what that is. It's dumb is what it is. But then he finally gets his Hogwarts letter. <laughs> you watched a really different show than I just did. It started out really, really inspiring. It did. And then it just like off to eat. Right. He was so excited. He got to go shopping for some new clothes for Eaton College. Like Hugh Laurie and Tom Hiddleston. Oh, my God. That would be awesome. Can you imagine going clothes shopping with Hugh Laurie and Tom Hiddleston? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, here, Joe Banks, take my credit cards. Money is no object. I wonder when Hugh Laurie was there. I should have looked that up. I'm going to look that up. Okay. So then asshole Philip comes in. He rides home on his shiny Jaguar and tells Charles and Liz to knock it off. Charles is going to go to Durmstrang and not Hogwarts. Right. And Liz and Philip argue. Right. Like they do. Right. Because Liz had told Philip that he could be in charge of Charles's schooling. He could make those decisions. He's in charge of Charles? Yes. Charles in charge of our days and our nights. Charles in charge of our wrongs and our rights. So Charles is not in charge. Not at all. Just checking. And Philip even makes like a low key 
insinuation that he will divorce Elizabeth if Charles does not get to go to the school of his choosing. Yeah, he was uh, he was not so subtle about his insinuations. No. They get a little more overt later on between Liz and Philip. Right. But at least for the meantime, Philip was just like, no, shut up. I'm sending him to this school that I like. I do what I want. Yep. I don't go to school and I kill people. Whatever. I do what I want. So then we get the first of like a hundred Nazi flashbacks. So the whole episode is Charles's life at Gordonstown paralleled with Philip's life right there. So they kind of flip back and forth between some of Philip's experiences and we get to see some of Charles experiences. Mm -hmm. It's more or less the Philip show. It is flavored with little flecks of Charles all over the place. Young Philip doesn't want to go to a castle in Scotland to be educated. You know, you make it sound really pretty. Castle in Scotland to be educated. It's because I use pretty words. You do use pretty words. I know the best words. Mm-hmm. Molly coddling is a good word. It is. Philip uses that a lot. I don't know what it means. It means pampering, I guess. Molly coddled. Being nice to. Oh. Not hitting. So the comment Philip makes is a little hard to follow this episode in the beginning because we bounce back and forth between the future and the past a lot. Mm-hmm. So we see young Philip going to the castle in Scotland and we see the right. beginning of his career there. Right. And then we immediately go back to old Philip sending Charles there. Right. They make a big deal out of the window in Charles's room not closing. Mm-hmm. Like present age Philip tries to close it and he can't do it. And then he gives up and then present age Charles tries to close it oh, when, neat. He's, when okay. he's sleeping. Like right at night when they're trying to sleep and the rain is coming in mm-hmm. and Malfoy speaks up and is like, Hey, shut up, go to bed. Right. Don't move your bed. Right. I mean, cause really the sporting school was a hundred percent all about child chil- labor, children being uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. sure. So then we go back to young Philip. And there's this whole endurance race thing that they keep talking about. Right. We sort of get to it at the end of the school year with Charles. But there's the build up through the whole. Right. There's the whole build up. And really what we get at this point is a lot of young Phillips experiences because he's new at the school. Right. You know, the other kids are not impressed that he's a prince or whatever the hell he was supposed to be. As they should be, not be. And it feels like Philip. Feels like he has to make himself twice as miserable in order to prove himself. They so every morning before breakfast, they all go for a run. Mm. And so everyone runs and then they take a cold shower and then get dressed and go to breakfast. Oh, right. And after everyone showered, he went and stood in the cold shower for like much, much longer than anyone else did. And even while filming, you could see his breath. It right. was so cold in there Yeah, when they filmed it. So young Philip is trying to prove himself. He's trying real hard to prove himself. Right. And they contrast that with young Charles, mm-hmm. not interested in proving himself. Not at all. Young Charles is maybe interested in other things, maybe like yeah. learning. Isn't that why we go to school? Who knows? He's certainly not interested in any of the things that the the school is trying to make him do. So Philip is pretty miserable. Right. He calls his sister, who is pregnant. Yes. 
because the Reich wants us to have as many children as possible. Oh, is that what she said? That's what she said. Yikes. (laughs) And she says she will fly to meet him. She'll bring the family and they'll meet up somewhere and, and they'll get to hang out and he can be happy for a little while. Right. So they were starting to plan a get together. Correct. And then we go back to Charles time. There's another parallel here because uh, Elizabeth gets the information from Uncle Dickie, mm-hmm. who I don't really know who he is, but I don't really care, that Charles is not particularly happy. Right. So she's not particularly happy of with him being not. there if he's not happy. Yeah. So she wants to pull him out of the school. Mm-hmm. And then this is where they have Elizabeth and Philip have another big row about right. who's going to do what because this and that and the other. So she throws, I'm the queen at him and he's all like, well, I'm the husband and you have to keep me as a husband because the crown. Right. So guess what? I get to do what I want. Right. Cause I'm a jerk. Then you would do well to remember the promises you made to me and the consequence breaking those might have on the crown. Charles's education is my responsibility. Yours is to honor your word and keep your husband. But Elizabeth recognizes it as bullying. Yes. As to what's going on. Yes. Bully children are scarred for life. And scarred children make destroyed adults. You and I had an agreement, a deal that ensured there would be some level of equality between us in the marriage. Maybe she sees that in Philip. I, I think she probably does. The bullied become bullies. Mm-hmm. How y'all doing? You hanging in there? Oh my God. It's hard to get excited to talk about this. Yeah, I know. About how horrible children are. I'm sorry. I mean. I feel a little lackadaisical. It is what it is. Okay. I'm just trying to stay focused on getting through season two. Right. Starting to get into season three. Get a lot more Margaret in season three. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, they're building up a lot of Charles here for season three oh, yeah. as well. Oh, absolutely. So we're going to get a lot of Charles in season three. A lot of, three, lot of new storytelling fine. coming out of these these stories we're getting right. now, which is great. I'm, I'm excited about it. So then we're back to Philip's day. We are back to young Philip in school. The kids continue to struggle through the mud. They continue to pick fights with Philip. And train for their stupid physical competition tradition. Right. Do you know what tradition is? Peer pressure from dead people. Oh, hmm. look at that. I've read that on the internet. I think that's really smart. Yeah, I think you're right. Am I traditional? Am I a traditionalist? I know you aren't. I know you could give a fuck about what people did before you. I mean, it depends, though. I think everyone's probably traditional about some things. Okay. I have traditions. I like going to the circus for home show. Sure. Except on years where it's canceled because of coronavirus. We weren't going anyway. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I have Since I was in circus, I have missed very few home shows. You've missed very few home shows. That's a tradition to me. I don't, I don't feel like I follow in other people's footsteps in terms of things that I hold to tradition. Mm-hmm. 
you don't do things because they are tradition. If someone asks you, why do you go to home show every year? You don't say, because it's tradition. True. That's very true. You say. Because I want to be there with my friends. Because I want to be there with my friends. I love these people and I love this thing. And right. this is what I want to do. I guess you're kind of right. Like, I don't I don't have a lot of things in my life that are traditions to which I hold. Like, mm-hmm. And we typically, as a couple, like to mix things up, too. Sure. Like, we don't even have our own, like, Christmas traditions. Yeah, like, we've true. been together for almost 20 years, and we don't have our annual Christmas. We do this every Christmas. We intentionally mix it up every Christmas. Right. On purpose. It's true. And other holidays as well. Arbor Day is going to be crazy this year. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what kind of trees you plant. Sounds like a lot of work. I don't want to do that. (laughs) So we were talking about uh, the young Philip. Yeah, the kids are still like struggling and training for their their thing, and and then Philip gets a chance to punch Malfoy in the nose. He does takes it. Yes, he does. Um, so that lands him in Dumbledore's office again. Is there something you wish to tell me? They might all be. <laughs> so then, because Philip gets in trouble, because young Philip gets in trouble, uh-huh. he is not going to be able to meet his sister. That meeting gets called off. Okay. I missed that Yeah. part. Okay. Because he was in trouble. Things mm-hmm. changed plans changed so now they're doing something else okay so then she gets on a plane with half of the family her whole family her husband and her two existing sons one son died of meningitis something like that already Mm. so they get on the plane and then that plane crashes but not before she gives birth on the plane. Because, Cuckoo pants. Wow. True story. A hundred percent true story. Right. Cuckoo pants. Absolutely crazy town. Ugh. And she was horribly afraid of flying anyway. She was. The character sure was. So um, maybe we should stretch with our listeners. Maybe we should think about ice cream. <laughs> Uh, I had a, had a real urge for a, a fucking cheeseburger and a milkshake yesterday. Oh, I would have rode with you to Sonic on that one, sweetie. I know you would have. I wasn't going to do it. Always up for a banana milkshake. I know. Wasn't going to do it, but I had the urge. It was a happy urge. That's okay. So yeah, plane crash, all die, including the newborn infant. Philip wanders off into the night. This was a really fascinating scene for me and i remember the first time we watched it i was probably fucking confused as hell right because the way they shot it it looks like he wanders into the woods and then walks to belgium where the plane crashed right because he's there with a plane crash right sister there and it's just like that they didn't try to make it dreamlike super dreamy like it was shot in a very realistic way Mm mm-hmm and so this time watching it again, I was like, oh, okay, this is the, the not dreamy dream sequence. Right. Where he was just like hallucinating or imagining right. the whole situation. Because he was imagining the woods like he just, just went off and 
put himself in the whole situation, imagining the plane crash and imagining the suffering of the passengers right. before they crash. Imagining his sister giving birth on the plane. Just and screaming about that. Horrific. Yeah. And and he just freaks the fuck out. Understandably so. Yeah. So he rose out into, I don't know if it's a lake or a river. He rose right. out into there and Professor Dumbledore calls him back. Right. Saying, you're going to go to this funeral. And when you come back. Hogwarts Express tomorrow. We will be your family. Right. Your family is here. We will be your family. They did a good job with complex characters in this episode. They really did. Because that character of the headmaster mm-hmm. said some some really kind of good things. He said some he weird things. He did. He said some sort of overtly God complex things. Mm-hmm. There's one point where he talks about he wants to raise a generation of world leaders kind of students. <laughs> right? Exactly. Double guns, buddy. <laughs> That's a very power and control kind of thing. Right. But at the same time, he's also genuinely interested in building these people up even though the means through which he is doing this is pretty manual labor kind of yeah. skills these kids are learning. Yeah. And you can tell that he cares about these boys. Right. Yet he doesn't care that they're beating the shit out of each other every day. He, f- he feels that that is. Well, he doesn't want them. Men building. He doesn't want them beating the shit out of each other. He wants them arguing without fighting. He wants them to settle their conflicts peacefully. Which is why when Philip does it, end up getting in fights, he gets in trouble. Okay. Thank you for helping me through that. Some of the things he said were kind of good, but in a weird way. Okay. I thought. Okay. Oh, so if we haven't had enough fun in this episode yet. Now we get a Nazi funeral. (laughs) Everybody get your big stompy boots ready. (laughs) So Philip's sister, Cecile... And two of her three sisters were married to Nazis. Okay. Cecile. And apparently high ranking Nazis. And her Nazi husband and their little Nazi babies had a big fat Nazi funeral. Nazlings? (laughs) I don't know. So I scanned the internet for photos Uh to see how much of a Nazi funeral it was. There is only one super prominent photo, which, of course, is titled things like Philip attends Nazi funeral. And he's much taller than his character is at the crown in the crown at this point. He's 16. And he's a tall guy, especially for Brit. And uh, so he kind of sticks. I don't want to say he sticks out, but yeah, he's right there. Marching down the road with all the Nazis. Right. It's not quite as glaring as it is in the crown. The photo's black and white. Right. So you don't get all the red, red, red of the sure. Nazi flag and right. and the Nazi armbands. Because that was the only color in the scene in the crown. Sure. And the photo is taken from a much wider angle in the show, they were marching down very narrow streets. Okay. 
with lots of people on each side. So it looked very crowded and it's not as crowded as that. So it's not as overtly Nazi. I mean, it's still the show was, but a Nazi is a Nazi. Right. I'm tired of using that word now. Fair. So now like we actually go into the whatever room they use to have the funeral. Oh, right. And Philip gets like talked down to by his dad. That's his dad. Which was pretty horrible. That was in 1937 that this took place. Uh The last time his dad saw any of his children was 1939. Mm. So I don't think that was the last time Philip saw his dad, but it was one of the last times. And his dad outright blames Philip for for Cecile's death. death. Right. Because she was going to visit him yeah but he loves his sister very very much he was very close to his sister right and her dying and her most especially dying in an airplane crash really did throw his life for a loop yeah a lot of people think that was one of the reasons why he wanted to learn to fly why he was so insistent on learning to fly well, it's certainly threw young Philip for a loop in the show. Like he, yes. he really had some emotional struggles with it. Yeah. And he, he goes to the funeral and then he comes back and he just doesn't want to stop working on the wall. Right. He starts building the gate wall. Right. So he goes by out himself while everyone else himself. is doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. And he just labors. And it's like the way they shot it, it was like. 40 days and 40 nights of him <laughs> building the wall. It was more like 12 hours. I know. I know. <laughs> but by the next day, he's supposedly been working through the night in the rain, in the cold, uh-huh. building this wall. And then he finally goes up to the school in the morning when everyone's having brekkie. And he's like, uh, can I get some help? He didn't do it like that, though. It wasn't like, can I get some help? It was like. Can someone please help? He was exhausted. He was, he was exhausted. like he was literally exhausted. There was nothing left of him at right. that point. Right. And so he he trundles up to the castle and you can see it on the face of the headmaster. He wants him, the headmaster wants him to ask for help. Yes. And he he just kind of he does eventually. I don't know. Maybe I don't I don't know the history. I haven't looked up if this is a real thing. It felt very strange to me this whole scene. Okay. And it, the music they were playing was very sort of triumphant music. Music, And I was like, well, who were we rooting for? The child that's hurting? Right. Or the headmaster who finally gets what he wants. Gets what he wants out of this kid? Is it really a positive? I don't really know. They were portraying it as a positive. One of the things that the British say about Philip is that he is resilient. Sure. And I think they were using the wall as a metaphor of his resilience. That's fair. And certainly I had an emotional reaction to it, which is what I'm blabbing about, which is good. Uh-huh. Cause that's, I mean, yeah, that's what good storytelling it's really should do. Why we right? watch TV. But also I think I wasn't really sure if I liked it. It's about this time in the show that I'm starting to, try to think well do i actually like this episode uh-huh. or not so i'm having having very mixed reactions to it also 
it does lend itself to complex characters. Sure. No person is just one set of things. Mm-hmm. No, no person is one type of person only. All of these characters that we, we saw on the show today, all the young people, they all grew in complexity. They all changed over the course of the episode. Mm-hmm. We got to see a lot of change, a lot of big change across all these characters. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's good storytelling. So we go back to Charles at school. They start the 18 mile weird ass running thing. Mm, yes. The ordeal. The Iditarod. And Charles gets misplaced. <laughs> That's one way to say that. <laughs> the royal detective goes after him. So the whole time Charles was at school, there was like, there was a royal detective that was his overseer. Right. That just made sure he was okay. It makes sense. He's the future king. Yeah. And for real, they did kind of become close. Yeah. Like you do. So he's worried about him. So the detective goes after him while Philip gives a speech in front of a dashing photograph of himself. Yes. Which was very meta. It was. And very Philip. Yeah. I wrote down. Philip arrives at Hogwarts just in time to present the award for the most not his kid kid of the ordeal. <laughs> and they wait for Charles for a little bit and he does finally show up. Does eventually show up. Braddy yeah. and Warren not having completed his torture yet. Uh, he got a ride home from the detective. Yeah. And then he got a hug. Yeah. Philip talks in his speech about Gordon Stone being known for its promotion of community over the individual. Sure. And I just want to point out that there are a lot better ways to promote community over the individual than pain. Well, there's also this whole other school of thought about promoting individuality Uh and inclusiveness Within a community. Right. As opposed to you will lose your own identity and conform to our identity of what we think you should be. And now we're back to Nazis again. I mean, I wasn't going to say it. (laughs) That's a really good point. So. Yeah. But um, FSU Circus is what came to mind to me. Yeah. About promoting community in a positive way. Well. And my experience in the circus was all about community. Mm -hmm. It was all about family to me. Mm -hmm. And those people became my family because we worked in such close proximity, which is the same goal that they're trying to promote through this kind of school. Right. However, we were all there by choice. Yes. We were doing what we wanted to do and having fun doing it. No, I wanted to be on the teeter team. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to learn how to actually punch the teeter board. Right. And once I did, I felt like I did it well. Right. And, you know, those people are, you know, we were, we all worked very hard together. We all worked in very close proximity Mm -hmm. to try to make that show happen. 
because we wanted to, as opposed to That's true. someone told us we should. Yeah. How does it end? Oh, it ends with them going back in the airplane and Charles freaking out. The end was just as bad as the rest. Yeah. Like, Philip had flown to go pick him up. Right. Like you do. And then they get back in the airplane, heading back to London. There's some turbulence. There's some turbulence. The line he used when he was trying to comfort his sister on the plane. Right. Was, it's just air. It's just air. And then he said the same thing to Charles, Mm -hmm. but he yelled it at him. He was like, quit crying. It's just air. Right. And he kept saying that he needed to toughen up. Right. You know, this whole like, you need to be strong kind of thing. And, you know, Charles was just, he was scared. Mm-hmm. And he was getting yelled at by his dad, which yeah. just made his dad mad. Yeah. So he got yelled at more. Which scared Charles worse. Right. So it was pretty awful, that little plane ride. Yeah. And then we get home. Liz family time. probably has a big sigh of relief. Yeah. She was off kind of by herself. Wasn't going to make too many comments this episode about anything. I like how they put her on a second or third or fourth story looking out over things and like observing what happens in her little personal realm. It did sort of point out that she's maybe kind of isolated from this part Mm -hmm. of Charles growing up. Yeah. But then that was it. We get some, we get some show notes about what Charles did with his schooling. Which I want to talk about. Okay. So the end of the show, it says that Charles said that going to Gordonstown was like a prison sentence. And while there is evidence that he did compare it to a POW camp, mm-hmm. he also said Gordonstown taught him a great deal about myself and my own abilities and disabilities. It taught me to accept challenges and take the initiative. And in a 1975 interview, he said he was glad he had attended and that the toughness of the place was much exaggerated. Mm. So maybe a little from column A, a little from column B. Sure. Maybe the closer he was to it, the worse he felt about it. Right. He did spend a year. I think he went to school there a total of five years but towards the end, he spent a year in Australia. And it was really funny because when I read one article, his year of school in Australia was like, he was like, this was amazing. I got to go and do all these cool things and it was fun and I learned stuff and it was awesome. But then I read another article that said that he was almost being punished by being sent there because his dad was like, oh, you think this place is bad? I'm going to send you to fucking Australia to school for a year. So, again, a little from column A, a little from column B. Right. You know, you don't really. I it's mean, hard to be an outsider and look in and assume. Of course. A lot of things. The uh, the thing about taking real life events and portraying them on television mm-hmm. is what really comes across better on TV, I mean, I guess it depends on the genre, right? But for this kind of genre, uh-huh. what comes across better is the emotion of the thing. Right. So they can play up the school being a little tough, 
But really what we're interested in is the child's emotional reaction. Sure. You know, what does that character do after having gone through this ordeal that, Mm -hmm. you know, anyone can go through. Yeah, it's hard. Right. But anyone can go through it. Other famous people who went to Gordonstown? Uh-huh. Sean Connery's son. David I, Bowie's son. I guess these are famous people. Mm-hmm. Sons of famous people. Sons of famous people. And Lara Croft of Tomb Raider. Is that a real person? <laughs> no. But like her backstory. In the video game? But her backstory. That's she went to she that went school. school. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's funny. It did go co-ed at some point. I was going to say, isn't it a boys school? No, it did go co-ed at some point. That's funny. And five of the queen's children and grandchildren went there. I don't know who. I didn't look up who. Okay. So Charles was not the last one sure. to go there. Right. He was just the first one. Got it. So, so what'd you think of this episode? Link. <laughs> I think children are horrible and mean. Sorry, breeders. I mean, <laughs> if you send them to places where they learn that they have to go through trials and tribulations in order to become a better person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough being a kid. It's tough being a kid anyway. Yeah. It's tough being a kid in public school, much less private. You have to work on this castle school. Yeah. And then run 18 miles through the forest. The castle was lovely. It was. I didn't write the name of it down, but it's a national park. Durmstrang. <laughs> it's a national park in England. Yeah. Quite beautiful. It is. That's my favorite part, I guess. I mean, they get some lovely filming locations. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I did not enjoy this episode. Right. But I liked it. Yes, I agree. Um, you know, I was I was enthralled by its horribleness. Mm-hmm. I've got a PhD in horribleness. Is that the new catchphrase? And I always um, like a good backstory too. Sure. And come on, how much of a better backstory can you get than my sister gave birth on a plane and then crashed to their fiery death? All those young and actors. And then had a Nazi funeral. Come on, that's good backstory. All those young actors too. Like young Philip did a really good job. Young Philip was adorbs. Young Charles does a really good job. Yeah. I, I really empathize with young Charles. And I, his ears. I want to give that kid a hug. Watch out for his ears. Watch out for his ears. Cut you like a knife. <laughs> no, my eye. My eye. I don't think I had a favorite part. Okay. I think my favorite part was listening to the theme song again for the first time in like a month oh, and a half. Oh, it's been a long time. And then it was just downhill from there. Yeah. Are there any questions we have to ask or talk about from last time? No, no. I looked. I'm sorry. Okay. I guess for our triumphant return to podcasting. Uh, you know, all right. That's all right. Pretty downer of an episode, though. Yeah. Season finale next week. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited about that. And then season three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes me pretty happy. Good. Well, I feel good about getting back on the podcasting horse. It's nice to see you again, honey um, bunny. It is. I love you. I love you too. I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? I don't think I do, no. 
Well, let's thank our listeners. We missed you guys. We did. Thank you for giving us a little time off. I really missed our theme song by Jenny Parrott. Oh, Jenny Parrott. That's such a good song. Such a good song. Who else do we thank? Is that it? I don't remember thanking anyone else. I think our listeners and Jenny Parrott pretty much covers it. I mean, thank you for doing the editing, Chris. Oh, it's my pleasure. You're a good editor. The end. So until next time. God save the queen. God save the queen. Totally TR time. The podcast where the stars align. Reigning queen is Emery. King Chris got that royal sound. When he's discussing the crown. Grab your scepter and around. It's TR time. It's TR time. It's TR. Are we doing that now? This is it. We're recording. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you weren't expecting anything else. What else to expect? We're recording. So she has run out of steam. (laughs) (laughs) And there's no really good jingle for Philip in charge. There is not. I'll be playing the Charles in charge theme. (laughs) Well, Chris. Molly call it. Molly, <clears throat> give me a second. <clears throat> He's a suitor. I'll let you talk about what's going on in the show. I mean, we don't have to. Oh, yes. That's why we're oh, here. All right. And scene. Is that really all? Well, let's do our sign off. Oh, I forgot about our sign off. <laughs>